0: hello everyone welcome back to the take the cake podcast so today is another solo episode so it's just me here and i think this episode is going to be pretty fun so we are going to be talking about we as in me (laughs) are going to be talking about wellness trends so if this is triggering to you like if you know some of these are kind of diet culture-y some of them aren't some of them are just general wellness trends But if it's triggering for you, then I would skip this episode. But um, I asked y'all on Instagram what, you know, one or two of your favorite wellness trends are, one or two of the worst wellness trends, like ones that you tried that you would never do again. Um, And then I also asked, you know, if you care about wellness and like how it affects you in your daily life. So I decided to compile my top answers together And give my take on them and also just give some information on why you should ditch these or why you should maybe keep trying to do them and I want to give a disclaimer that like you don't have to do any of these you literally don't have to care about any of these like this is totally just supposed to be like a fun interesting thing because as we all know wellness is a slippery slope because a lot of the time diet culture sneaks in into wellness and it becomes a diet culture trend that's masked and disguised as a health and wellness trend. Um especially if it's like focused on weight loss or changing your body. Anything that is focused on that that says it's a wellness trend, you know, it might not be the best thing for you. Like that's not wellness for everybody. Um it's a word that I think is thrown around left and right and it's definitely a marketing thing. So Without further ado, let's get started. So I'm going to start with the worst, okay? We're going to save the best for last. And these aren't in any particular order. Uh, These are just ones that I, I mean, I got tons and tons of, (laughs) of answers. So um, especially with the worst ones, because most of them are bad. So yeah, these are just ones that I really thought, okay, a lot of people are mentioning these. All right. First one, juice cleansing slash celery juice. I know they're different trends but I'm going to clump them into one because I can't be bothered to talk about juice for more than two minutes because it's silly. So, okay, juice cleansing slash celery juice really claims to be helping your body detox. And what we know or what we should know is that our bodies are constantly detoxing. The kidneys and the liver and the intestines and your skin and so much of your body is responsible for detoxing and they are constantly working. And literally, not drinking juice will not help your kidneys or your liver detox at all. It's just a facade. It's just an idea and a way to sell really expensive juice. Also, juicing fruits and veggies depletes them of their fiber. So, all you're consuming is like the water and the sugar and some of the micronutrients from the juice. But, We need fiber for elimination, a.k.a. going to the bathroom, which is a huge detoxer in our body. And even if we don't consume um, fiber, like even if we're we're juicing, we still go to the bathroom. Like we still poop (laughs) because a lot of what we end up eliminating from our body, from our colon is actually bacteria, which is constantly living in our bodies. So if we don't give our bodies fiber to properly eliminate our food and our waste, then it's just literally going to do the opposite of what whatever we're trying to do by cleansing our bodies. Plus, you're going to be missing out on a lot of key nutrients like iron, proteins, fats. I mean, you're only consuming sugar and omega-3 fatty acids and the list goes on. So there's so many things about juice cleansing that... Does not make any sense. Plus, it's very expensive. I think it's pretty wasteful considering you're taking a food and you're like depleting it of its entire form. So, technically, you're processing it. So, it's processed food, which isn't bad, but I mean, it's like silly how like it takes so much energy to juice something. And so, yeah, it's also so like time consuming to clean a juicer. I really like, enjoy juicing sometimes. I, I enjoy getting a juice or making a juice from home, but um, I, I do not recommend juice cleansing. I personally have never done a juice cleanse. I don't think it is a wise idea to juice cleanse. You're also going to be extremely hungry, and you're also going to um, have to literally live on the toilet because you're going to be peeing every 20 minutes probably. So skip next. Juice cleanse? No, no, no. The second one we're on to is a Fitbit. Also, just like wearable technology that steals your data and just calculates every part of your body, but we're going to focus on the Fitbit. So this is an interesting fact. The 10,000 steps a day sort of thing was invented, or not invented, it was made up in 1965. The pedometer was invented by Dr. Yoshiro Hatano. I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right. And he developed this device, the pedometer, and it's, he thought, okay, 10,000 step meter, that's literally what it translates to in Japanese, the name of the device. Um, it's called monpoke. I think, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but literally no scientific claims he used. He literally just made up this number because he thought it sounded good. So it's just a marketing tactic and it's just taken over. Like now 10,000 steps is like the norm. And I haven't focused on the steps in a while. That used to be a part of my eating disorder that really consumed me. But like, it's first of all, it takes the intuition out of your day. You cannot. There's no way every single day of every single day of your life you're going to want to take ten thousand steps. That's a lot of steps, first of all, and no scientific claims. And you just can't be intuitive. Like, what if you're on your period? What if you're sick? What if you took a lot of steps the day before? Like, you cert. Certainly don't have to take that many steps. And also, like, some days I take 1,000 steps. Some days I take 13,000 steps. And it's not like my energy is significantly, like, depleted one or the other. I think it's just, like, it's just the wearable technology, the Fitbits, it gets obsessive and controlling. And it's it feeds into the idea that we need to track our health. People didn't used to track their health. Like, people just listen to their bodies, which is you know, the wisest thing that we can do. And once we start tracking our health and seeing like, okay, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to get? Same with counting calories. We aren't able to be intuitive and we lose touch with that part of us that knows best. And then we get obsessed and it's just a downward spiral. So no, 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 thank you to the Fitbit. I mean, I don't love it. Also the Apple Watch now, a lot of people do the Apple Watch and they like apparently... It can like remind you when you need to walk. And I'm like, dude, get off my back. Like I can like listen to my body and I can walk when I decide I want to move. Okay, so the next one I'm going to talk about is intermittent fasting. This is like trendiest freaking thing ever. Um, and so this is when you don't eat for 12 to 24 hours or whatever time. I mean, some of them are different that you, you know, you fast basically. And the idea is that like it's supposed to help you lose weight or it's supposed to help you, Um, I don't know, your body function. I don't even know what it is really, but most studies have been conducted on animals and only on men. Um, So we know that females have a completely different hormonal profile and require different needs completely from men. Um, And actually, most of the time the studies are done, they only test glucose levels. So they really only know this data, Um, like let's say studies like it's successful. They only test glucose levels in the short term so you have no idea how it's going to affect you in the long term and dangerous for for people mentally and physically um especially if you have an unhealthy relationship with food which i don't know how you could not if you're intermittent fasting but like it just gets another thing that just gets really obsessive and you know for our hormones if we have biologically born females and we have female hormones we need to be eating within an hour or so of waking up. And like, for me, I don't drink coffee on an empty stomach because I know that my hormones and my digestion will thank me if I have a little bit of food in my body. Um, So I usually will have a smoothie in the morning and then I'll have my coffee, which is usually half-calf, and then I'll have my breakfast after that. And so, yeah, it just feels like at the end of the day, you know, I eat literally up until I go to bed sometimes and it's fine. Like, I don't I feel so unhappy and I honestly can't sleep if I go to bed hungry. I can't fall asleep. I have bad dreams. I don't sleep well. I wake up like earlier than I want to and I'm just like so hungry in the morning and it just sucks. Like, you know, if you get off track, you have to like just like manipulate your whole day and it just becomes your life and it's just so annoying. Um, and I think that a lot of people who said intermittent fasting they were like intermittent fasting sucks because it literally made me like some people said it made them lose their period. Some people said it made them just obsessed over food, which makes sense. Some people said it made them feel like really mean and like aggressive. Maybe the hangry hangriness, which is also true for the juice cleanse. Um, you know, just like, just like eat when you're hungry. And if you're intermittent fasting, you can't give your body a chance to do that. And anytime you look up studies about something like intermittent fasting, make sure you read it, like read all the way through like how they're testing it, what, you know, what the period was, like what kind of study it is, because sometimes it's literally tested on animals like rats. And I'm like, okay, we don't need to compare ourselves to rats, people. Okay, so intermittent fasting can go. We don't, we don't need her. The next one I want to talk about is low carb. And I also am going to bunch keto into this, which to be honest, makes me roll my eyes the most out of all these trends so far because it's so restrictive. I it doesn't. I can't even wrap my mind around how it's become so popular. Um, it kind of feels like a cult to me. So, in two thousand eighteen, there was a study by the European Society of Cardiology it was a large study that suggests that low carbohydrate diets are unsafe and should be avoided. And the researchers in the study found that people who consumed a low-carbohydrate diet were at greater risk of premature death. Um, yeah, and it was by a lot. So what's the deal? I'm really not sure why people are still doing keto. The only thing that I've heard is medically it is good for those who are struggling with epilepsy, I believe. Um, but if you have no reason to be low carb slash keto, don't do it. Um, We need carbs. Carbs are our first source of fuel. So when we deplete our body of carbs, when we don't allow ourselves to eat carbs and we go into ketosis, that is starvation mode. It's a natural progression of starvation that our body, when it goes into ketosis, it literally is like in a different mode because it is in survival mode, like it doesn't trust, it knows that we're in famine. So it's really just like a sad situation. Also, it's sad to eat low carb, like carbs are life. I just, I eat bread and pasta and um, rice and potatoes and chips every single day. And I just feel great. I mean, I've never felt better. I consider myself, I mean, I don't really put labels on what I eat, but I generally eat lots of carbs, in my opinion, and I feel so good. And I just love the way my body feels when I consume carbs. So a lot of people also said, yeah, like low carb, they just felt really low energy, which makes sense. They just felt um, sad and they felt restrictive, which makes sense as well. Um, And I also do want to say that furthermore, the same study analysis show that there was a stronger link Between overall mortality for non-obese people on a low-carb diet than those who were obese. So literally, like, if you are low-carb, you have a greater risk of morality than non-obese people on a low-carb diet than those who are just obese in general, which, I mean, look, like, we don't need to compare ourselves to people who are obese because Many, many people who are considered obese are extremely healthy, healthier probably than the person who's restricting their diet. And there is absolutely no reason that we need to be um, targeting people who are in the obese category. First of all, it's subjective and relative. Let those people live their lives because they are genuinely healthy people who do not need to be shamed Or anything like that. So I just think that's an interesting point to mention that like literally people who are on a low carb diet who are not obese are more likely to have death from it. Um, So with that, we can stop comparing ourselves to people who are considered obese and let those people live their lives because they're doing fine. So um, yeah, the symptoms are of low carb are that you're tired, hungry, you can be bloated, Hangry, um have constipation because you're probably not eating any fiber. So we don't need to do low carb or keto. That's that's no thank you. Okay. The next one is the Chloe Ting Challenges. Challenge, whatever that is. Like get abs in two weeks. And this isn't just Chloe Ting. I'm no hate to Chloe. I just think hers is the most popular. Probably I got hers a lot, but just like the general fitness sort of videos that are like get shredded in 2 weeks. And it's like do this workout and do this workout and you'll get shredded. Um all these like promises of certain body aesthetic goals. This sets you up for being completely focused on aesthetics instead of being focused on how moving your body makes you feel. So that's like one of the intuitive eating principles. If you are 100% focused on aesthetics, um you can't be an intuitive eater. Honestly, because intuitive movement is a part of it and sometimes like depending on what cycle time of the cycle we are like if we're in our luteal phase or menstrual phase ovulation follicular all these different phases of our cycle they require different amounts of energy from our body so sometimes we don't want to move and sometimes we want to move a lot and um it just takes you out of that and i think an important question to ask yourself is like would i be doing this workout if it didn't change my body at all I think that's kind of like a big wake-up call to really help you to focus on how it makes you feel mentally. And there's no way, there's no way that everyone who does the two-week ab challenges, in two weeks they get abs and then they have them for the rest of their lives. I'm sure most people just feel like a failure, right? Like it makes you feel like a failure if you don't achieve the impossible result. Most people aren't meant to just have abs and I don't even have a, like, I don't have a problem with those workout videos. The problem is the, the titles of them and the, um, like words that people use about, you know, body. Like if it was just like 10 minute ab workout, that would be fine. Um, depending on, you know, what the person said, it would be fine in, in my eyes, like whatever. I personally have done some of those workouts. Um, but the fact that it's like get abs in two weeks, it's like, get off my back. Like I don't need to get abs in two weeks, dude. So yeah, just so you know, like if you've ever done that and you feel like a failure, spare yourself. Cause I think you're in the same boat as everyone else. <laughs> so yes. Okay. The next one moving on is detox teas. So just like the juice cleanse point, we do not need to help our bodies detox. That is not something that we need to do. So these teas typically contain laxatives, which can be marketed and typically are marketed as natural because often they contain Senna, which is a natural laxative. Trigger warning. I started drinking these teas during my laxative abuse stage of my life when I was taking over-the-counter laxatives every day in an effort to continue using laxatives, but do it in a more gentle form. Like it was like, okay, I, I still want to take laxatives, but I want to do them in a more natural and gentle form. But Senna was just as powerful as my over-the-counter laxatives. And so these teas can literally make you dependent on the teas and on laxatives to go to the bathroom, which is the worst thing for our colon. Our colon is a muscle, just like our body. And if we don't, you know, it's designed to contract like a muscle in order to help us go to the bathroom. So if we do something that um, like take laxatives, that doesn't, it allows it, basically it makes it become lazy. We get a lazy colon and we are not able to digest. So we have to continue drinking these laxatives more and more until we are completely hooked on them. A terrible feeling. And it takes years and years to heal from that, from laxative abuse. I'm still on my journey of healing. Also, I want to mention this because this is scary. My doctor, my GI doctor, told me about melanosis coli, which is when the interior cells of your colon literally die, resulting in a black colon instead of a pink colon. The lining is black instead of pink. That can't be healthy. That's not healthy. So we really don't want to take detox teas. Um, And also, these teas really just get rid of excess water weight, if anything. Whatever, like weight we're losing or whatever however lightweight we feel it's probably because we're dehydrated so next one is avoiding gluten or dairy or just in general food groups at all but I think gluten and dairy are really popular so this was me I'm I'm gonna admit it I did this sometimes mostly in an effort to heal my digestion but I'm like what is going on with me so we often self-diagnose gluten or dairy intolerance and that can be a very slippery slope for some people for most people if you are genuinely um, sensitive to gluten, typically you have to get diagnosed with celiac disease. So you have to get um, testing done. So if you feel that you are, I would recommend going and getting a celiac test, which is pretty generic. And I think it should be covered by your insurance if you have um, decent insurance. Um, But yeah, ask your doctor about that. And you know if if you if you genuinely feel like oh i feel really gassy after i eat dairy or gluten um, first of all you know be really careful on that and it might be all in your head cuz a lot of times the stress like if you if you convince yourself you are i'm allergic to gluten and you con- you consume something that has gluten you are going to be really stressed out and the stress is going to be the thing that's actually causing you to have gas and bloating because that's like the number one trigger for ibs symptoms in a lot of people than the actual gluten itself so i don't think it's always bad if you have a healthy relationship with food if you kind of feel like okay i might be a little like like lactose intolerant that's not always a bad thing it's just bad when we're really black and white about it so if we are out with friends and we can't even allow ourselves to get a little bit of ice cream because we're so afraid of eating that little bit of dairy Also, um, gluten and dairy enzymes are found in our bodies. So if we do not consume those foods, then our pancreas won't continue to give our bodies those enzymes. So it kind of becomes like a black hole of if you choose to not eat gluten or dairy, your body actually could become intolerant to it. Um, and it becomes harder and harder for you to consume those foods. So don't put yourself in that situation if you don't have to. Um, Gluten and dairy can be extremely, extremely healthy for us. Um, so that's just one of those things that we don't need anymore. Okay, the next point is weight training slash high-intensity interval training or HIT workouts. Some people aren't going to like this one, but honestly, a lot of people mentioned weight training, um, HIIT workouts, and some people mentioned like training programs. So I'm going to include this on the the my list of of myths because I do sometimes do some weights but I do like maybe if I'm just feeling extra energized I'll do very very light weights I'll do like ankle weights one pound weights two pound weights but I'm talking about like weight training where you go in and you like do squats with like barbells and like tons of weight look if you like this then you you we can disagree on it. I totally respect, you know, anyone who wants to move their body in certain ways, that's totally fine. But for me, I really didn't like weight training when I was going to the gym. I went to the gym like before COVID for like a couple months and I just like felt so depleted after I would weight train. Like I just would try and, and like And it was a lot to think about. Like, you know how people do like, okay, today I'm going to do this weight and this weight and I'm going to work this part of my body. And the next time I'm going to work this part of my body and this week I'm going to have, you know, 25 pounds and the next week I'm going to have 30 pounds. And like, it's all just a lot to think about and a lot to do. And I think the sort of like, the the energy around weight training is very much like, take your pre-workout that's super caffeinated and makes you super jittery. I've taken pre-workout workout before and it made me so jittery and I even took like a more quote natural one and it still made me feel just horrible but people are like take the powder and pour it in your mouth and then do a little bit of water and then like you'll be so swollen and you'll get pumped and like I just feel like that sort of energy is it's stale. It's stale for me in 2021. So, that's why I included that on my list. And I I said hit too cuz a lot of people mentioned hit um if I ever do a HIT workout, it is when I'm feeling energized and I feel like I'm like ready to go, which is maybe like twice a month. <laughs> I feel like doing HIT, and I usually only do it for 10 minutes, or maybe 15. So I think the the HIT training that's like 45 minutes long, that's where I'm like, whoa, that's like a lot. Um, but if you like to do it, like I said, do you, you keep doing you. Okay, the last one on the um, miss list. That's kind of hard to say. Our whole foods only, so no processed foods. So obviously, it's more natural and more nutrient-dense to eat whole foods instead of processed foods. We know that. Typically, it is. The problem is when we get black and white with it. So yes, processed foods have many pros. They have some cons. Some of the pros, they're convenient. They're affordable. They're accessible to a lot of people who cannot even access to having whole foods only. There are some people who can't even access processed food, so they're accessible. Sometimes you don't have a choice. Um, and oftentimes they're more tasty. And they last. They last in our cupboards and our pantries. I just said cupboard. Like, that makes me feel like I'm from Indiana. I mean, I am from Indiana, but that was funny. I don't know if people still say the word cupboard. They last in our pantries. And... They are great. Like, I eat processed foods every day. I eat um, bread. I mean, I make it myself usually, but, like, I still use processed flours and um, sugars. And um, sometimes I eat, like, quick meals if I need to. Sometimes I'm on the go. I'm out and about. I would never skip a meal if that meant I had to eat processed foods. That's fine. I love that. I eat a lot of processed desserts. They're more tasty. Um, So, yeah, restricting ourselves from eating... Some processed foods will result in us craving the real thing and could result in a binge. So anytime we restrict ourselves, there's a much, 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 much more likely chance that we'll binge. So letting myself just eat the damn cookie really just changed my relationship with food so much. And I highly recommend trying it. I know you've heard that a million times. Just letting yourself eat it. it, Your body won't crave it as much. Like if you're like, if you just restrict, okay, I can't eat cookies I can't eat cookies, I can't eat cookies. And then you finally let yourself eat cookies. You're probably going to eat more cookies than you know you normally would if you weren't restricting the cookie. But eventually your body will trust you. You will satisfy that craving and you'll find balance within, okay, I can enjoy cookies and not crave them every day. I promise that will happen to you. You just have to let yourself do it. It's really scary, but I promise that will happen. Also, processed foods are not always unhealthy. I think that's like a big stigma um they're not always unhealthy like like I said certain breads and packaged foods and chips and even like sweet treats like they're not always unhealthy you know we're designed to handle eating processed foods and it's okay okay so that that was 10 of the the hit, uh, misses so those are ones I don't love and you all didn't love either So I can agree with all those, and I love that. So now we're going to move on to the top 10 of the best wellness trends. So these are the ones that I got the most of from you all that I definitely agree with. Number one, yoga. Lots of people mentioned yoga. Physically, the benefits of yoga. Strength, balance, flexibility, um, sometimes back pain relief. You sleep better. The list goes on. Mentally, the benefits relaxation stress reduction mental clarity um it's a very great form of gentle mindful movement and yoga is great because you can choose a variety of types of yoga depending on how you feel that day so you can choose yin yoga if you're feeling like you just need a nice stretch yoga nidra which is like sleep yoga always knocks me out every time if i can't sleep um a power yoga class which is when you're like feeling strong and you're like moving faster and you're sweaty or a sculpt yoga class. That's when you use little weights. Um, there's so many types of yoga. I love core power yoga. Really, any yoga is great. So yay yeah, yoga. Give it a shot. Um, it's It feels so good when you're done with a yoga class and you're like, oh my gosh, that rejuvenated me instead of depleted me like a lot of other forms of movement. Okay, the next one is alternative milks besides cow's milk. So I want to put a big disclaimer that you... can drink cow's milk if you want to drink cow's milk. This is just something that I got a few people mentioning, well, more than a few, that I I can get on board with. So oat milk, almond milk, cashew milk, rice milk, hemp, soy, the list goes on. There's lots of choices now. And they are all better for our environment than cow's milk. Um, And I find them to be tastier personally, depending on the kind. I don't love all alternative milks. And I'm not talking about all dairy. I'm just talking about milk in this case. Like I consume yogurt, I consume kefir, I consume half and half for my coffee. This is just something you can implement if you're interested in how I can care for my environment a little bit better with my food choices. And like I said, you don't have to do this. This is just just an idea. So which one is best for the environment? I actually found through my um, very brief amount of research that it's actually best to like alternate between them because they all have different implications for the environment. So like almond milk omits the least amount of uh, greenhouse gases but requires the most amount of water to farm, whereas soy milk uses the least amount of water with the highest greenhouse emissions. So that's just an example of like it's important to switch them up if you can. Um, But like I mentioned, if you have something that you prefer, you can stick with that because it's still better for the environment than cow's milk. But I still eat ice cream and I still have cow's milk you know, it's not like you have to be black and white about it. It's just something you can try. Intuitive eating is the next point. We love intuitive eating. It has become very, very trendy. Although many influencers and even like celebrity doctors have coined it as a marketing term for diet culture, which is so sneaky, like get out of here. So intuitive eating was basically invented by Evelyn Tribole and Elise Reiche, and they both came up with the principles and they actually came up with them in the 90s so it's just recently become super popular so the 10 principles of intuitive eating number one is to reject the diet mentality Two, honor your hunger three make peace with food four challenge the food police five discover the satisfaction factor six feel your fullness that's gonna be a hard one for some people it was hard for me seven cope with your emotions with kindness eight respect your body Nine, gentle movement. Ten, honoring your health with gentle nutrition. So yeah, those are the 10 principles. And if any you know, any sort of product is using intuitive eating as a marketing and they don't adhere to those principles, all 10 of them, then that's not intuitive eating, just so you know. So yeah, we love intuitive eating. She's changed my life and she's amazing. So the next one is foam rolling. Slash using a massage gun, like a Theragun, which is what Rio and I have. We actually have both of those items. So this is also known as self-myofascial release. So this releases tension and, quote, knots in muscles by signaling to nerve receptors in your muscles and communicating with your brain, which then signal your muscles to contract. So it's basically just like the um, idea is you sort of like press like a deep tissue you press into the knot or a part of your muscle that's tight and it basically like your brain and nervous system and the nerves within that tell that part of your muscle to relax It can also increase blood flow and reduce inflammation so this is something that i would try implementing if you can especially if you're on a journey where you're like looking for ways to be more intuitive and incorporate more gentle movement into your life because foam rolling feels so good after you do it It kind of can be hard to commit to foam rolling because it's one of those things where it's like I don't really want to do this but once you just make it a habit it's really really feels good so I just try and do it once a week honestly sometimes like ideally I'd like to do it twice once a week it's fine and you can also buy a massage gun which basically does the same thing but it's a little bit more expensive and you don't have to like lay on the floor and do it. The next one is collagen. So collagen is the most plentiful protein found in the human body. It's become very popular to consume in the form of like, like it's become a product that you can just find in like any grocery store. And, um, there are four types of collagen. So type one is the type that accounts for 90% of the body's collagen. It's made of densely packed fibers, um, from animal bones and it provides structure to the skin bones tendons fibrous cartilage connective tissues and teeth type two is the type that's made up of mostly loosely packed fibers and it's found in elastic cartilage and that kind of cushions your joints. so this is the type that's good for your joints type three is the type that supports the structure of muscles organs and arteries and type four is the type that helps with filtration and it's found in the layers of your skin And the only real reason I'm keeping this here is because many of you said you like it. Um, I think it's a great option if you want to use protein powder, which, again, you don't have to do, Um, but if you have a hard time digesting whey protein or pea protein powders or any other protein powders um, that are, like, a proprietary blend or just, like, formulated with certain types of protein, collagen is by far the easiest one for me to digest. Um, I think that's because it's so similar to the proteins that are found in our bodies, and I don't notice any sort of, I don't think at least, any sort of benefits to my skin or hair health or anything like that, but that's because I don't, I don't consume it every single day, Um, and just want to throw this in there, it is not as healthy as actually just eating protein-rich foods, Um, so you, if you just eat, you know, beef or turkey or meat or other protein-rich foods, the fact that... That your body has to break those foods down, make that that protein and that collagen more bioavailable for you, so you will absorb those nutrients much better than you will a scoop of collagen in your smoothie. But yeah, I, I like um, to. I like collagen. I also have been making these gelatin gummies for my digestive health. I think I'm gonna make a real Instagram reel if you are interested in seeing how I do it, but. They're kind of tasty and they're really easy, and it's like a good way to get a little bit of that healthy collagen in if you are interested in that. Gua Sha is the next one. So, Gua Sha, it's like a flat stone or crystal tool for your face. It's like a skincare item, um, and you basically run the stone around your face in like a specific pattern. It kind of sounds weird, but if you just Google it, you'll see what it is, and it still looks really weird, but basically, it's. A very old ancient sort of I don't know if it's ancient but it's like an old eastern practice of releasing tension it builds blood flow it encourages lymphatic drainage and it's a very relaxing ritual so I really like incorporating gua sha into my skincare routine and I literally just do it at night so I just sit on my bed and I have been watching Grey's Anatomy <laughs> Uh, which is a really big commitment, but I've been watching Guy's Anatomy and I'll just like have it on and I'll just like do the gua sha on my face for like literally like five minutes. If that, it feels really good and it honestly kind of helps me fall asleep, so I really like doing that. The next one trend is teletherapy. So, this trend is great because therapy is so necessary. Obviously, you know therapy and telehealth, uh, dietitians. We we need these people. We need these people, right? Life is just a lot, so no shame if you need therapy. In fact, I think it's amazing if you do get therapy. Um, and because of COVID, there was a huge need for teletherapy. I think I read that it went up fifty percent during COVID, and I'm all about that because sometimes I just want, most of the time, I don't really want to get dressed and drive to my therapist. I just want to be in my sweatpants, in my bed or on my couch snuggling with my dog, and I just want to talk on the phone or on Zoom. Um, So if you are in that space where, like, I don't really want to, like, drive to see my therapist, I love that this is a trend. I hope it just stays that way and it's not just a trend. Okay, the next one is rest days slash stretching. If you work out, you don't have to work out, but if you do, it is crucial to prioritize rest days and allow your body to repair damaged tissues from exercising And it is also crucial for your social life and your mental health, because if you are like, I need to work out every single day for an hour a day, like there are days where you, that's going to like interfere with your social life, with your work life. And I think it just can be a lot for, for us and it becomes kind of obsessive. So it's really important for your physical and mental health to take rest days and for me, stretching is something I do every single day, regardless if I'm resting or not. But I don't stretch for like 15 minutes, I just stretch for five minutes. And it's an act of self care and love doing some neck stretches or wrist stretches, just doing a couple cats and cows. It can just feel so good on your muscles. And it's just as good for you, if not even better for you, in my opinion, than doing all these hard workouts. You know, you just take those days that you really need off. It doesn't There's not a certain number of days you need to be working out versus taking rest days. Just see how you feel on a day-to-day basis and decide then. Next one is meditation. So this has completely transformed my personal morning routine. A lot of people said meditation. And meditation reduces stress and anxiety. You become more self-aware, mindful. It improves your sleep. The list goes on and on. And you can do ones that specifically target goals. I actually have an Insight Timer profile which is a meditation app that's free and you can access that. I'll actually leave that link down below. I have some guided meditations on there. Even five minutes a day can make a huge difference and you can, you don't have to do guided meditations. There's guided meditations. Some of them have no music. Some of them have great music. I personally have been listening to binaural beats every single day, just for five minutes. I, what I do is I lay in the sun, open my windows lay on the floor and I just listen to binaural beats and I just breathe and I pray even for five minutes and it makes a huge difference in my mood and in the way I feel so I love it okay the last one probiotics so probiotics are all the rage gut health is all the rage and basically a probiotic is defined as live microorganisms which when administered in adequate amounts confer a healthy benefit on the host the host is you as us so they're all the rage and there are so many types of probiotics it's very overwhelming when you're at the store or shopping online it's like what do i do so here in the united states the fda considers probiotics as supplements which means technically anything can say it's a probiotic whereas in other countries like europe which have the European Food Safety Authority, and Japan, which has the um, foods for specified health uses. They have much more strict regulations, which require an item goes through lots of testing and proves it's a probiotic, so they have to have proof. So that's just something to keep in mind. I would do your research on the probiotics that you're interested in and make sure... First of all, make sure they're shelf-stable, because I have heard that it's better to get ones that are shelf-stable, and, um, yeah, just make sure they, you know, talk to your doctor and make sure that they know you're consuming a probiotic as well. So they can improve digestion, immune function, skin health, lots more. Um, like I said, you don't have to take them, just be sure to check with your doctor before jumping on one. Cause they can be really powerful if you don't use them correctly. And if you don't have to take one, you don't really need it and they can be expensive. So, um, you can also just eat probiotic-rich foods instead of taking them like kefir, yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, miso, etc. There's a lot of fermented foods out there. So my two personal favorite probiotics are from Seed and Thrive Health. So Seed has a daily symbiotic that has both a prebiotic and a probiotic within the capsule. And I really, really love it. I've been taking it for about a month. Um, and I actually do have an affiliate link from Seed. So if you're interested in learning more, you can click the link in the show notes. I do get a small commission, but this isn't sponsored at all. I I really like taking Seed because of their transparency and all the information that they, and research they do um, is amazing. I also love Thrive Health, which is actually an at-home microbiome testing service. So they send you a kit in the mail and you can send in a stool sample. It sounds really intimidating but it's actually really easy and then you receive a comprehensive analysis of your personal microbiome and um, how much of the good and bad bacteria you have and you can even choose to purchase a custom probiotic for your own needs that they formulate for you so this is interesting especially if you're working with somebody um, and then you're looking for a more affordable testing option i also have an affiliate link with thrive so if you're interested in at-home microbiome testing I'll leave that in the show notes again, not sponsored, but I do receive commission if you use my link. So definitely don't have to. This is just the two I personally recommend and have used. That's it. Those are the 10 misses and the 10 hits of wellness trends. And the last thing I want to talk about is your answers to the question. Are you interested in wellness trends? Most of you said yes. Only if it benefits your health and a lot of you said you are, but you try and stay away from them because you can get in a slippery slope rabbit hole. Some said no because they just are all disguised as diet culture, which I respect and agree with a lot of the time. And I just think it's important that the main thing I want to take away, the one, the main thing I want you to take away from this podcast episode is that wellness is not a trend. There are wellness trends, but anything that is a trend is probably not actually as good for you as you think it is. And it could even be harmful for you in the long run. So health and wellness are so personal and you are your best advocate for what you need. So if something doesn't feel right, if something feels like it's forced upon you, if something is taking your money, if something's making you feel bad about yourself, run away. You don't need that. Um, You are so wise and you have... um, Intuition that you can really tap into instead of trying to find external sources of that. And also if anything promotes weight loss, you're clear, like I mentioned that earlier. And so yeah, live your own life to the fullest. No one else knows you better than you. You don't have to live in a black and white world where you're either a wellness guru or you're not. Um, you don't even have to trust the wellness influencers you follow on Instagram. I promise, you don't have to trust them all. So that was my little episode. Um, I'm. It was fun to kind of like ask y'all about what you liked and what you didn't like. And if you would like to get in on the next one, my Instagram is at Kate underscore underscore. And I'll leave that linked in the show notes as well. And um, yeah, yeah. Follow me if you want to, you know, get in on the next questions. I do a lot of Q&As. So yeah, and thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to leave me a rating and a review and subscribe if you would like on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate it. It's like the best way you can support this podcast. And now that I am uploading every week, I would just love, love, love to hear from you and hear about you know how you're liking it. I have a Instagram for Take the Cake now. It's at take the cake Pod. I've been loving podcasting and loving hearing from all of you. So please let me know. Thank you again for listening. And I will see you all in the next episode of Take the Cake. Bye.